Thanks to those of you that have chimed in after I shared my uh, dive story. Everybody that's close to me knows it's just the dive story. People say, you got to tell the dive story. And I've heard this a hundred times. <laughs> Trevor says, I just took a few deep breaths after hearing that story. Yeah, me too. Every time I tell it, I just fill my lungs and realize how lucky we are. It's funny, like having a, having a dive, and I'll call it a dive accident, like, you know, although technically speaking, it was, I mean, you know, it, it, it was careless, and luckily nothing horrific happened, but it impacts how you view your own personal safety, it impacts how you view your future, it impacts how you view even basic things like your lung health. And it's impacted decisions moving forward. Another says, I was one second away from drowning. Definitely not fun. Sean says, super scary. Goes on to say, that's how Ron Burgundy would dive. Yeah, it's, you're probably right. I can't tell that story without acknowledging that it was 100% my fault and completely due to my carelessness. But what a wake-up call. A listener says, I was one second, literally one second away from drowning in the Fraser River. I was so tired from swimming, it may not have been that bad. Yours would have been torture. Craig says, I wonder if you kept in touch with the photographer that saved you. Says, the fellow that found me in the ditch after my motorcycle crash is very close to me. I don't see him that much, but we have a special bond. Craig, I can tell you, uh, we were in Paia, which is a small town uh, on Maui, several days later. And the photographer was there sitting at the bar, and I was able to introduce him to my then-girlfriend, now-wife. And, and we had kind of an emotional exchange there. So I haven't kept in touch with him since then. I know his name. I know who he is. And I owe him my life. Mike says, naughty boy, Ryan. But your story is familiar. And, you know, I like that you recognize you, you took your camera down there too early. He says, even as an instructor and as a diver since 1991, I've had scary episodes. And training is always recommended. The ocean can be unpredictable. Mike says, I got stuck fighting a down current and got the scare of my life. But instinct kicked in and I did what I had to fight past it. He says, by the way, now, now you need to dive Southeast Asia, Raja Ampat, Komodo, the Philippines. He says it kicks everything else in the shade. Yeah, Mike, I went and I earned my advance in Bali on Gili Island. That was a, just an unbelievable place to dive as well. As far as my experience goes, I haven't dove the Barrier Reef, uh, but Maui to me has been the best spot so far out of Mexico, Dominican, Brazil, Bali, I'd love to hear from the divers, and we won't bore the rest of you. We'll stop it there because, Gina, we've got a date. Every Wednesday after the 10 o'clock news, we bring you a segment we call Really Cool Jobs. And today, it's my pleasure to welcome Mama Circus to the program. Hi, Ryan. Nice Megan Sheck, is that what they really call you, Mama Circus? That is what a whole group of my more advanced students have started calling me yeah okay so you've just opened up circo fit in saint albert is it what it sounds like fitness via circus performances that's right um right now i teach aerial silks which most people have they associate with cirque du soleil um basically if you've ever seen an acrobat hanging from fabric 30 feet in the air that's what i coach wow what's your background did you always like as a little girl want to run away and join the circus um, I remember seeing I remember seeing um, an act from uh, Kidam, a Cirque du Soleil show, on television when I was fairly young, and I thought, "Wow, that's impossible! No real human being can do that. You have to be born into the circus and be a crazy gymnast." Um, I was actually really into performing arts um, 
musical theater was kind of my my niche in, in junior high and high school. And then, um, uh, yeah, actually, just a friend of mine invited me to his show, and I thought it would be a clowning show. I thought, oh, man, it's going to be awful. But he was my friend, so I went to this show, and he was actually doing this stuff. And I thought, wow, real people can do this. Sign me up. Wow. And so how many years ago would that have been? That was 10 years ago. 10 years yeah. ago. And what have the last 10 years looked like? Did you, you went from a musical theater background all the way up to the point now where you, you've opened up your own facility. Yeah. How did you fast track your learning and what did you learn? Yeah, it's funny. I, I never would have thought that I'd be working in the fitness industry. I thought I'd be on Broadway or like a rock star or something. But um, uh, yeah, I just kind of followed what made me happy. Um, I started taking classes with Annie Dugan. She started Firefly Theatre here in Edmonton, and she's responsible for bringing Ariel Circus to Edmonton, so I owe her so much. Um, I took classes with her for two years. Then I decided I really wanted more, so I went to San Francisco, and there's a school there called the Circus Center. You can actually go and get a diploma in clowning if you want. Um, I didn't go for clowning. I went for the aerials, and I just did as much as I could uh, training full-time for four months there. That was back in 2008. And then when I got back to Edmonton, I started teaching for Firefly Theatre. Um, I've been teaching for about seven years, and um, uh, just this last year, I decided uh, it's time to go my own way and start my own gym. And so here you are in St. Albert with CircoFit, and you're operating out of a CrossFit location. Yes. Right now I'm out, out of um, St. City CrossFit, which has been a really great experience. Um, I love the owner, Brian. Everyone in the CrossFit community is so encouraging of each other and, and positive. So I really like that, and, and that's where I want to take aerial circus. I want it to be very athletic and and a positive community and and striving for excellence. Watching not just circus performers, and I've been lucky enough to see a couple of Cirque du Soleil shows as well, but also gymnasts and, and every, people that are using these rings and ropes and silks, I can't even imagine the strength that that must take. I mean, I'm picturing people out sort of in the, you know, arms completely outstretched and they're lifting themselves up. This must be a phenomenal core workout. It's a great core workout. It's a great upper body workout. Um, and you don't need to be a gymnast to start out you don't you can start with very basic things and everything is you start with foundational movements and just grow um kind of start with the basic building blocks and uh slowly add and advance and and i mean sometimes i i have students that i teach them how to climb and they're a little bit scared of heights so every week i just ask them to do one more pull than they did from last week you said that place in san francisco is called the circus center yes yep what's that place like it's it's a really neat place. Um, it was actually, uh, it's converted from an old school gymnasium. They had two gymnasiums. One was a boys, one was girls, and the school was in between, and there was an earthquake. I don't know when. Um, it's right on the edge of Golden Gate Park, um, and so they, they knocked down the school, built condos, and then the city uh, made this space into this it started out as a clown school, so uh, you you walk past at lunch and there's clowns on the sidewalk eating their lunch. Being are silly. they always dressed up? No, no, but like clowns. Being silly. <laughs> I'm trying to think because when when you, the word clown is an interesting one, right? Because yeah. you can go, oh my gosh, there's a clown, and then you can also be like, he is a clown. Oh yeah, there's many different types of clowning. So I I don't know. You just have to. Uh, as long as you don't have a scary connotation and you go with the flow, they're usually friendly. Clowns are some people's worst nightmares. They are, yeah. Blame Tim, Tim Curry. Yeah. Of, um, 
whatever that Stephen King movie was. <laughs> yeah, that might be it. So who's who's drawn them? I mean, the, we we I don't want to get too sidetracked talking about clowns. Although we we, we should do a roundtable in here on Friday with clowns and costume. That would be a great I idea. Could probably put you in touch with some people. Gina says no from the control room. Gina, are you a uh, are you freaked out? By clowns? I'm not going to lie. Yes. And the movie was It. The book is the, It. Oh, It. That's the movie we're <laughs> thinking King's of. It. Stephen King's Thank It. So, the, so so, we're, we can... Well, that's the thing about this show is we're allowed to get a little sidetracked. So yeah. there's the clown thing, but then there's oh, also the circus yeah. performer side. What did you... Most people that have a background uh, or, or that have an interest, I should say, in circus performance that, that you encountered at the circus center, what was their background? Was it a lot of people like you saying, hey, I never thought that I'd be here? Or were there people that were like, I've been studying gymnastics and applying my trade ever since I was a little boy or girl because I've always wanted to perform there. It was kind of 50-50. They do have a, um, a professional program, um, and I do have a friend that went through that program. Uh, it's very intense. Um, you're not just studying what you're interested in. You have to do ballet. You have to do Chinese acrobatics. You have to specialize in um, your... Maybe you have one... Um, uh, one thing like aerial straps or trapeze and that's what you specialize in but then you still have to train all the other disciplines um, tr- trampoline might be part of that as well um, and then the other half of the people there uh, were just mostly adults that were looking to do something more interesting to exercise and I was with that crew I just picked the classes that were open to the public that interested me um, I did aerial rope which is similar to silks it's just a rope hanging down uh, aerial silks static trapeze that means it doesn't swing they also have flying trapeze down there you need a lot of space for it and a lot of people for it um, you must have to be immune from a fear of heights um, I was really terrified of heights when I first started because am I thinking of the right when, when you talk about aerial silks or the, the, these are the ones where they're they're wrapping themselves in it and they're twirling all the way down and bringing themselves up and and sometimes hanging suspended with what appears to be no safety measures in place that's exactly it yeah that's what i do um so do you have to be uh and pardon me uh a little nuts to do this well i am a little nuts (laughs) but i i mean there's there's safe ways to go about it and getting coaching is definitely one of them um if you're a beginner please don't learn off of YouTube. Um, if you're advanced and you want to learn off of YouTube, just go about it very carefully. Just hang a bed sheet off your eaves trough, right, no, at home. And No, don't do that, kids. Uh, on the text line, Brad says, I'm 38. Uh, he says, is it too late for me to run away and join the circus? This sounds amazing. These are skills I've always wanted to learn. Now, Brad will have to decide for himself if, if he should run away and join the circus, but could you teach him to be a circus performer? Definitely. Yep. I, I've, I've taught people all the way up to 60. Um, definitely, it, st- it depends how fast you'll go with it. It depends on your starting point. Obviously, if, you're, if you've led a very sedentary life, you're going to struggle more than the 20-year-old that is a dancer or a gymnast. Um, but, I mean, you just start where you're at and you work from there. So this is something that, I mean, your business, CircoFit, we're talking to founder Megan Sheck, uh, that would be accessible to anybody? If somebody says, uh, you know, I've got bad knees and I haven't worked out for 20 years and I, and I need to lose 150 pounds, would you say, oh, we could do something for you? Or do you go, eh, it's kind of, we're, we're not quite there yet? I, I would say maybe circus isn't, isn't right for that person. Um, or at least yet. Uh, and I could, if you ever want to contact me with questions, um, you can do th- that through my website and I'm happy to give you other resources. Um, but 
Um, you have to be able to support yourself with your shoulders. If you have bad shoulders or a shoulder injury, maybe it's not the best sport for you. If you're considerably overweight, obviously that's uh, that extra fat is extra weight that's not helping you, that you have to pull up the equipment, and it's going to be more of a struggle for you. Um, but I don't want to discourage anyone who's slightly overweight from trying it because um, you'd be surprised at what you can do. Well, I mean, and, and try anything once, I guess, right? Yeah. Uh, listeners wondering if you perform or if you strictly teach. Um, I have uh, spent the last seven years performing maybe two or three times a year. Uh, it really varies. Uh, I've done corporate events. Um, uh, I've performed at a mall. I've done, uh, Firefly Theatre has a yearly showcase for students and teachers. So of course, every year I, I was doing that. Yeah. I'm wondering if I've seen you perform before because th- via Firefly, I've seen some phenomenal things, oh. even down at the Edmonton Fringe Theatre Festival and, and other performances that they put on. It's, it's, it's a marvelous thing to watch. Oh, definitely. It's so spectacular and over the top and um, uh, from the ground, it looks really scary. So I think people pay more attention. Yeah. You, so you're obviously, I mean, to, to state uh, probably the most apparent and evident thing, and you'll just go, yeah, you're tapping into or you're banking on this trend of people needing to find fun in their fitness. Oh, yeah. People are sick and tired of just lifting weights and running on a treadmill. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and, and that was me 10 years ago. Like, I didn't like sports at all. Um, I'm not a team sport kind of person. Uh, I find uh, I've never been into running. Um, uh, I was kind of asthmatic as a child. This was the first thing that really inspired me to get fit and to pursue strength. And now there's other things that I do. Like I started um, about a year ago, I started getting into weightlifting. And right now I'm really pursuing powerlifting. And it helps my circus and my circus. Of course. Fit. Yeah. It's like it's really good. I mean, Circus or aerial circus is very good full body movement. Uh, it increases your coordination. Um, obviously, it's more upper body strength and core strength than leg strength, but um, it definitely helps other sports, and other sports can help help it. Does it draw a unique person? I mean, I, I know that you don't want to start, probably start making generalizations about your entire customer base here on six thirty chat, but is it a different kind of a person that's drawn to CircoFit? Uh, I don't know. I it's it's a little too early. <laughs> How long have you been open? Uh, I've only actually started teaching since the fall. Okay. So yeah. Well, teaching at, I mean, I've been teaching yeah, at but, other but schools. Yeah, un, but under this banner, <laughs> yeah. since you hung your shingle. I love it. Well, we'll fit in a quick break, Megan. When we come back, would you take us through what, what a standard workout might look like? Sure. And, and would you tell one story? Would you tell, maybe we'll go back to, to the Circus Center at San Francisco. Just tell us a behind-the-scenes story about working with and befriending circus performers. Sure, sounds great. It's, there's something about the circus. People are just fascinated, <laughs> including me, fascinated by the circus. We'll be back with Mama Circus herself. Megan Sheck of CircoFit. If you want to check out her website through this commercial break, you'll find it at circofit.ca. We're hanging out with Mama Circus. Megan Sheck, the founder of CircoFit in St. Albert, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a fitness studio utilizing the art of circus performance. Uh, Megan, a bunch of people into the text line curious to know what a workout actually looks like. Do you one-on-one train people? Do you do group classes? They go for an hour? 
I do offer private classes, but mostly I'm pushing the group classes, which is definitely better for beginners. Um, my classes are an hour long. We start with a ground warm-up. We'll do a shoulder warm-up. Obviously, there's a lot of shoulders. We want to make sure that no one hurts them. It's probably the most common injury. Um, shoulder injuries? Oh, definitely, because you have to use it for everything in circus. You're hanging your full weight off of them. and Well, humans aren't really designed to do that. Huh. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, yeah, we'll get on the equipment. Usually we'll, uh, I'll start by teaching people how to climb. Every week we'll, we'll practice that because it's one of the key things. Um, and then the first eight-week class will involve just simple poses near the ground uh, as you build your strength. Um, most of them involve a knot on your foot, so that supports you um, as you as you get stronger. And then later on, like that's that's a beginner session. Later on, you will learn how to do um, uh, spins and drops, but that comes gradually. So, how long would it take uh, for someone to be able to uh, unfurl bed sheets from the their rafters inside their summer cottage and impress their friends with a silks performance? First, I want to say, don't use bed sheets. <laughs> <laughs> Contact me if you really want to. Uh, okay, buy that's your own good equipment. to know. Good to um, know. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, it really depends on your starting strength. Right. Um, a lot of people, I mean, within the first year, they might be doing small drops. We call them drops when um, you see a performer that is kind of looks like they're unraveling or spinning and falling, uh, and then they get caught by. It's amazing equipment. to watch. Yeah, it, it's funny. The, the most amazing things are actually easier than some of the more simple things. <laughs> Wow. Megan, thanks for hanging out today. Oh, no problem. Congratulations on opening the doors of your new business. We've, I've been curious to hear about it. I've never heard As far as you know, are you the only one doing this? Oh, uh, no. There is Firefly Theater in Edmonton. Um, but from a fitness standpoint? From a fitness standpoint, um, yeah, I'm definitely more uh, aiming aiming to be more of a fitness uh, facility. Yeah. Once I, once I find a space that's full-time, there'll be definitely more fitness-oriented classes than just tricks and learning learning the poses. Hey, everybody's got to start somewhere. Yeah. Thanks for coming in to hang out with us. Megan Sheck is the owner-operator of uh, CircoFit. That's why they call her Mama Circus. And you can learn more about what she does at circofit.ca. Here's the news. Our thanks to Megan Shack, Mama Circus, for hanging out with us here in the studio. Uh, DC in the Park says, I went online and saw there were only a few spots left for the next class. Wondering if Megan will add more dates if the demand grows. She says, yes, she certainly will. And Tracy says, this sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, to be honest, I can't do a pull-up unassisted yet. I lift weights, but my cardio is horrible. Would I be able to do this? Tracy, she says, come check it out. The more the merrier. Sounds like you'd be a perfect candidate. Thanks to all of you that sent in your feedback, uh, including Topher, who was wondering if the Yak Lady is as good a cook as Eddie said she is. Nice little National Lampoon reference there, Topher. Well done. Our next guest joining me here in studio wants to walk away. Jeff Rout, is it fair as founder of the Alberta Freedom Party when people call you a separatist? Is that what you are? Is that the label that you should wear? I think there's some uh, fairness to that in that sense that I want to separate Ottawa power from any control over Alberta. But I think sovereigntist is probably a better usage of the word. Why do you prefer sovereigntist over separatist? Well, I think that Alberta and Albertans should have complete sovereignty over all aspects of Alberta. Um, Whether that exists within Canada or without of Canada uh, seems irrelevant to me. Indeed, if we want to have a relationship with Canada that continues 
with confederation, but all all aspects of government and law and finances become under the control of Albertans, then that would be perfectly acceptable. It seems like conversations like these and initiatives like these, they, they flare up from time to time when, it, when a group of individuals or sometimes just a particularly loud individual is frustrated with at least one level of government. What prompted you to put out albertafreedom.ca and start encouraging your fellow Albertans to consider sovereignty? Well, I've been thinking about this for a long time, probably about 15 years. Um, so we're looking back in the early 2000s when uh, really this started becoming more and more in my mind that Albertans have very, very little control over the laws that govern them. And uh, that just didn't seem to be have a very, didn't seem to ring with democracy. And, and that disagreed with me. And as I was, I, I would rather tongue-in-cheek give a joke every once in a while about how Albert ought to separate and gauge people's reactions. And sometimes they'd laugh and sometimes they'd, well, actually, I've actually had never had any arguments against it, <laughs> really, when I did that. Maybe because no one's taking it seriously, though, right? And, and that could be the case. However, I was with my, uh, my wife and her grandparents' farm, and I dropped the joke there. And very interestingly, and this is a, an elderly couple, of course, they both looked at me very sternly and nodded. And uh, that, that, I thought, was a very, very uh, telling event. And that, and that was fairly recent. That was about two years ago. And... That may have been a prompt for me to start taking this more seriously, start making it less of a joke and more of a more of an actual thought. Isn't this very un-Canadian? Well, if having desiring democratic control over your government is un-Canadian, then yes, it is. But I want democratic control for Albertans over the laws that govern them. And a democracy should be where the individuals in a land have as much control over the laws that govern them as possible. And that is not what we have today. And, and just as an example, if we had Motion X, and, and it was a federal, a federal motion, and all Albertans, not a single Albertan disagreed with Motion X, they all unanimously wanted Motion X to go through. And all of their representatives in the House of Parliament and the Senate all voted in favor of Motion X. But the majority, not even, we don't even need the, a unanimous opposition, but the majority of the representatives of, in Quebec and Ontario voted against Motion X, Motion X would fail, right? That is a clear, demonstra- demonstra- sorry, it's a clear demonstration that we do not have any effective democratic control over our laws. This is not a democracy, this is an Eastocracy. <laughs> Where do you see... That sounds a lot like what we heard out of conservative movements right around the time you said you started thinking this way. Uh, where do you see the biggest deficiencies? Where do you perceive specifically that Alberta has lost democratic control of itself? Uh, Alberta federally never had democratic control. Um, and this isn't a fault of Ontario or Quebec or Ontario, Ontarians or Quebecers. Uh, it's really the fault of having a large geography. The larger geography, the less democracy you've got. Uh, and the individuals in any location ought to have as much control over their, their lives and their laws as possible. And if we, as soon as we stray away from that, then we're, we're straying away from any kind of democratic impact. So uh, it's never existed in Alberta, and that's simply because of the larger population in Quebec and Ontario. And there's nothing wrong with the people in Quebec and Ontario, but why should they control the laws here? And as an example... Let's imagine that the people in England were still writing the laws for Canada. Well, would we consider that a democracy? And I think everyone would agree that we would not. It is not a democracy in that situation, and there's nothing wrong with the people in England. They're fine people. But they live in England. They should write the laws in England. We live here. We live in Alberta. We should write the laws in Alberta. People in Ontario should write the laws for Ontario. But isn't this, I mean, isn't that what, a, what being a nation 
is all about? Isn't that what being a country is all about? I mean, if every single provincial and territorial jurisdiction was writing up their own laws, their own charters, I mean, what would be the point of Canada? Well, I, I think you can have a point in terms of of brothership, uh, brotherhood. You can have ter- uh, in terms of working towards common goals, and indeed, I would want to continue that. Uh, there's no reason not to. This isn't a, a, a slap in the face to the rest of Canada. It's just a desire to have control of our own laws. And why would anyone want someone not to have control over their own laws? In terms of what is the nature of, of a nation, well, I think we have to rewrite not necessarily what the nation is, but what the control the people have for that nation is. One of the things that strikes me early in, in speaking with you, and you walked into this studio 10 seconds before we started talking, so we didn't do much of a pre-interview at all. No. I expected you to be talking about uh, resource revenue. <laughs> I expected you to be talking about pipelines. Mm-hmm. I expected you to be talking about transfer equalization payments. Mm-hmm. But you're talking about laws yes. a lot. Yes. That's uh, what's driving that. I find that to be. I'm, I'm a little surprised by that. I, I think people often focus on the aspects of resource uh, and transfer payments and taxation simply because it's very obvious. It's very much in their face. But really, that's symptomatic of the lack of democratic power we have. And really, Alberta has no democratic. We have no political influence whatsoever. If we look at this honestly, in Ottawa, none. And the reason for that is any political party, it doesn't matter if it's conservative, liberal, or or any others, it doesn't matter. They know very well that they have to secure enough seats in Ontario and Quebec to secure a majority. If they do that, it doesn't matter what happens with the rest of the country, it doesn't matter what Alberta wants, because if they pander to the whim of Ontario and Quebec, they will maintain control of the government. You must be somewhat intrigued by the Prime Minister's promise to investigate and even implement electoral reform by the, tam- by the time Canadians head to the polls again in the next federal election. I mean, could that turn the tide for you a little bit? No, it wouldn't, because really, um, representation by population, I like representation by population. I think it's much better than a first-past-the-post system, but uh, it still would not change the uh, lack of political influence in Ottawa for Albertans. We only have 11% of the population of Canada, and with that in place, even with Rep by Pop, we wouldn't get any kind of representation. Dave says he might be onto something. Let's call it Confederation. Another says he's describing a republic. Jason says, I love Canada, but I can't imagine how we'd survive four years of Justin Trudeau's left-wing administration. I normally dismiss separatists at the drop of a hat, but this time I'm actually willing to consider it. Another says, uh, and this is kind of interesting, um, is Quebec Canadian? Another wonders. Uh, this I is would Brian. Say yes, it is. You would say yes, it is. Yes. Brian says, "I speak for many uh, that I'm in conversation with. We don't think it's a joke." Have you found that your support is actually growing a little bit? So when I, I yeah, I went rather public with this on Facebook, and uh, that was the first aspect, and what was really shocking was just how fast and fierce the support came in. It wasn't any lack of support; it was it was quite abundant. And yeah, if you look on our Facebook page, we've got, what, 2,700 followers on that page. We've got 6,500 on a closed page. Um, it, it went closed by accident by one of our administrators. We had to start all over again. It's not because you had people leaving crazy messages about we bringing harm to the premier. And you must have that faction as well. That did exist, and we kicked them out. That's that's rubbish, and we don't want anything that... That, does, that should not exist in democracy. Okay. Uh, 
A listener here wants to know what sort of laws would sovereign Alberta have. That's what we'll get to with Jeff Rout, the founder of the Alberta Freedom Party, right after this. My guest in studio this half hour, Jeff Rout, founder of the Alberta Freedom Party. He's a sovereigntist, not a separatist, he says. Uh, Jeff, very quickly, several people have uh, emailed into the show wondering about your, your personal ancestry. They're picking up on what they say is a hint of an Irish accent. It, no, I'm born and raised in Edmonton. Uh, I've got some English in my ancestry, and sometimes that seeps through in certain words, and perhaps word choice. Okay. Uh, Stephen says, I agree with your guest. The feds have not helped Alberta in any way. Alberta is innovative and has a thriving economy. Well, he says the rest of Canada has the same opportunity as Alberta, but they chose not to develop their resources and economy. Why should Alberta be punished for its success? If Alberta could separate, I'd call it Western Canada, so we can still be Canadians. Well, I think there's actually, uh, even if we became our own nation, and uh, if, if, we'd, if that was the only method that we could become a sovereign power, was to become our own nation, I would say that we would remain Canadians in the same way that the Swiss and Switzerland are still Europeans. So don't you kind of want to have your cake and eat it too? Sure. Um, you, you can call it that. But really, if someone is a Canadian and they move to England, they remain a Canadian. Uh, if I'm a Canadian now and the government changes, why should that also change? Could Alberta maintain a sovereignty without separating in your world? I, I think it is a possibility. That that depends more on the relationship with the rest of Canada than within Alberta itself. Alberta has the power to become its own nation just by its own democratic vote. Um, so in, in that sense, we've that might be more likely, the method of becoming sovereign. But if the rest of Canada wanted to maintain a, a relationship and keep us within Confederation, so long as we were completely sovereign, and I mean we had complete control over all taxation, all finance, all uh, military, all immigration, all diplomacy, Every aspect that defines a nation's uh, control, Albertans must control. Hmm. It sounds, I mean, and I don't mean this in an insulting way. I'm just, mm -hmm. this is my gut instinct. It sounds to me like this is kind of like the Oregon militia standoff kind of a thing, <laughs> you know? Like, 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 for example, one that jumped out at me. What don't you like about Canadian immigration? What would you change? What would Albertas look like? Uh, the thing I don't like about Canadian immigration is that Albertans have no control over it. Whatever immigration Albertans want into Alberta is what it should be. So I, I don't really have any desire to change immigration except to give the power to Albertans. How would you see this all going down? I mean, Canada is essentially, and, and I'm not saying literally, but it's essentially declaring war with the rest of Canada. You're essentially saying, you know, you're pulling a Trump. You're saying we're putting up walls. You know, we're going to get you to pay for it. That's kind of what you want to do, right? No, I'm not pulling up walls at all. I'm saying that we want to have control over the land that we have. You, you, you want to create an, an individual entity within an already existing entity. We already are an individual entity within the existing entity. But without sovereignty, right? I mean, that's yes. of course. But again, I, I would wish sovereignty for all people on Earth. So... All people should have as much control over the laws that govern them as possible. Alex says, I'm all for Albertan sovereignty. This fellow is on to something. Jillian says, so the best Alberta's got is to rehash old ideas from Quebec. Sovereignty, not separatism. Oh, dear. She says, it's pathetic and unoriginal. Jillian says, I grew up in Montreal, and when it comes to separatism or sovereignty, I've heard it all. I've been there. I got the T-shirt. She says, it's sad. In 2016, the best idea some people can come up with for our problems is to try to tear the country apart. If Canada was so bad, you'd want to leave all the time, not just when oil prices are down. Well, I've been talking about this for 15 years, so it has nothing to do with oil prices. 
um, and oil prices are going to be down at times and they're going to be up at times and that's not going to be something that's going to change. Uh, what we can look at changing is giving a actual meaningful vote to Albertans, which right now they do not have. Drew's wondering if you're contemplating running candidates in the next provincial election. Is this like, what's your formation like right now? You, you, you've got your Facebook page. You're saying it's kind of in the grassroots stages, but where do you go from here? How do you grow this thing if you do? Uh, we would like to run candidates in the next election. We've already been registered with Alberta, Elections Alberta. Uh, we are currently collecting signatures. We need about 8,500 of them, so it's quite an uh, onerous task. And we, uh, if we are able to get that, we, we don't need that to run in the next election, but we do need that to be able to start uh, being able to take donations and give a tax receipt. TA says, I bet the first person to suggest separating from England also sounded crazy. Says there's something to this. All concepts start out as a massive, uncoordinated thought and end up a precise, svelte, finely tuned concept. Says, oh, yeah, I'm that, listening. That's a that's a good comment. You might have to hire him as your press secretary. I think so. Uh, another here, this is an interesting one from Leighton, who wants me to ask if, if you think that many citizens of the so-called Republic of Alberta realize that provincial boundaries would be redrawn that our national parks would no longer be a part of the Republic, uh, the military bases would be relocated, and our national railway would no doubt, says Leighton, just divert around this Republic. He says sometimes these people should be remain silent. Okay, I, I want to address a few of those items because they're, they're kind of humorous. And I'll follow up with a pipeline question sure. as well. Um, well, the idea that uh, a railway is going to divert by many hundreds of kilometers rather than going through a nation, and is, we should assume that we're going to want to have a trade agreement where they're going to be able to go through without a tariff, because why would we want to have a tariff? We want to have free trade. Uh, free trade exists in virtually every country in North America. It would be very, it'd be very silly to think that we wouldn't have one, um, especially since we'd be one of the most prosperous nations on Earth. So, uh, by GDP per capita, Alberta is the third, would be the third richest nation on earth. So, we are looking at making one of the most prosperous and free nations that the world has ever seen. There'd be passport implications. There would yep. be military implications. Yes. We'll pick up on that when we return with Jeff Rout, founder of the Alberta Freedom Party, right after this. Jeff Rout in the house, founder of the Alberta Freedom Party, calls himself a sovereigntist, not necessarily a separatist. And we've gotten into some of those details, Jeff, on the text line. And I said this to you during the commercial break, and I don't mm -hmm. mean it in, in a way to offend, but I'm actually surprised and how much support you're seeing from people, from Chad Nation. A lot of people, I mean, someone at a high level says, I agree with this guy. Where can I sign up? How can I support them? You know, another says uh, on the other side of the coin, this mm -hmm. is Hammy. The province of Alberta could not sustain itself with limited resources and industry, just like Quebec couldn't. Could this is a that? ridiculous idea. Okay. Uh, again, Alberta has about the highest GDP per capita in the world. It is uh, very, very resourceful. Um, we have virtually every kind of resource that we need to maintain ourselves completely independent. So even if, and this is a ridiculous scenario, but even if both Canada and the United States completely shut us off of, an, of any kind of trade, which is completely ridiculous, we would be able to sustain ourselves just fine. We, would be, we, we have more than enough to be self-sufficient. Um, in terms of uh, trade, we've got about 100% our exports are 100% the value of our imports. So we would have an export surplus, and that would be a dream 
for most modern nations. Uh, it's, it's, I can't even think one offhand that actually has a, an export surplus, not Canada, not the United States. So, if Alberta is having trouble right now getting pipelines to Tidewater, yes. wouldn't you exacerbate that problem tenfold? No, I think we would actually reduce it, and here's why. Because right now we have zero political influence in Ottawa. None. If we became an independent nation or a sovereign element within Canada, then we are able to reciprocate to the federal government what, how they treat us. Right now we cannot. If the federal government wants to mistreat Alberta and Albertans, all, all Albertans can do is take it. Whereas as a nation, if they're going to not allow us to have trade through them, well, then we're not going to allow trade through us. And now, of course, that's not what I'd envision. I would envision free trade. But now we were going to deal with reciprocity, which we can't have right now. Scott in Sherwood Park has a big question, Mm -hmm. and we'll have to hang tight on it, but he wants to know why you wouldn't consider statehood and just join the United States. That's where we'll pick up when we return with Jeff Rout, the founder of the Alberta Freedom Party. As mentioned, here's how this is going to go. The mayor, Don Iveson, and Tim Reed, the CEO of Northlands, are set to take the stage at Northlands two, three minutes from now to let Edmontonians know what the future of that facility, what that great resource will look like moving forward now that Rogers Place is set to open downtown. We'll take you there live when that news conference wraps. We'll come back here to studio with Jeff Rout of the Alberta Freedom Party taking your texts. If we have time, we'll open up the phones as well. Headlines are coming right up.